All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And today, I had to do a new intro for this one. We are bringing this one back. This is an encore. This is one of the greatest episodes we've ever had because it has one of the greatest people that we've ever had. My dear friend, Jim Quick. And this guy is a master at helping people unlock the superpowers of the brain. In today's episode, trust me, there are lots of tears and emotions. You'll learn the hacks to boost your reading speed by 25 to 50 times, how you can stop feeding your distraction muscle. I share how to, I share with Jim how I used to feel dumb, how curiosity is the key to unlocking learning roadblocks, why learning without an outcome is useless, the story behind how the lighthouse was born at Jim Quick's house. The lighthouse was actually born at Jim Quick's house. Thank you, Jim. I love you. Thanks for being a friend. And why knowledge alone is just potential power. And so Jim is one of those men that you listen to once and then you listen to again and again and again and again. And that's what this episode is. And so without further ado, I'm going to stop bumping my gums and let Jim supercharge your brain. So let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. This is a free-for-all Friday, and I couldn't be more happy, excited, exuberant, or super fratly, casualistic, expialidocious to have today's guest. Um, he is a machine in the best way possible with one of the biggest hearts ever. He's somebody that I call a friend, a mentor, a teacher, somebody that I would stand in a fighting hole with day after day for all the right reasons. He is an absolute muse when it comes to memory, the brain, and helping people unlock all of their potential. So today I would like to welcome with the biggest warm welcome, Jim. Welcome to the show. George, thank you so much. And uh, I feel the same way about you. A good friend, mentor, someone that I would definitely go, go shoulder to shoulder to battle with. Thank you. Thank you. And everyone who's listening. Uh, this is a long time coming, man. It is. It is. I remember. I remember those nights in your apartment. It was like 1 a.m. and we were working on the podcast like back in the day before it was like the top podcast in the world. And all. I, I cherish those moments. Like those are some of those memories yeah. I look back on that I'm glad that I remember. Yeah, yeah, that's what memories all are about. So you know, and so I really, really appreciate your your time, your talent, your your real treasure, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know. Thanks, man. I'm gonna frame this conversation. I'm gonna get the waveform printed out, and I'm gonna write those words above it. I'll put it on my. <laughs> that was good. I'm a words of affirmation guy, so like you're like right there where it matters today. So I'm um I'm honored to have you. I'm sitting out here looking at a snowstorm, and I I always ask this question. And I know a lot about your story. I know a lot about your journey, but I, I think it's really important that we unpack these things. And so the first question I always ask everybody is when you look back at your career, and I mean, you have done everything from coaching A-list celebrities and athletes and actors on memory to healing your own brain, um, you know, learning that learning was a superpower that could be learned. And you, you've been all over the gamut. But when you look back over this entire illustrious career of experience, where do you see one of like those biggest pivotal mistakes or moments that was made? And then what did you learn from it and take forward? Yeah. Um, wow. What a great opening question <laughs> that you had about. <laughs> We're not one of those light conversations. Um, well, 
I mean, I, you know, through my adversity, you know, I've always seen adversity kind of almost as a, an advantage. I am a big fan of the superhero archetype and the journey and the hero's journey. And, you know, you go from this kind of ordinary world, get introduced to an extraordinary world and you face dragons and demons and you get a mentor, you find your Yoda or your, your Miyagi or someone along the way. And at some point you come back and you, you share that elixir or that treasure with, with the rest of the world. And um, so I would say I've had a number of those moments now, you know, over three decades of my career. And what difficult time was, uh, as many people, it was this, you know, in 2020, you know, most, most recently, I think a lot of people could obviously, you know, we have a lot of these struggles, but hopefully some of these struggles led to strengths where a lot of people thought maybe 2020 was a year to get everything they wanted. And uh, I think a lot of people found that they, they discovered uh, that they appreciated what they, everything that they had, you know, and that was, that was definitely for me, my, um, one of the difficult times was, um, and again, I have hundreds of them <laughs> that to be able to pull from, but um, was the, the launch of the book Limitless. It was my first book. And, you know, you and I had uh, brainstormed a number of things just earlier in that process. And, uh, you know, I waited a long time to kind of put out my life's work and I wanted it to be something special. And when, you know, when it came out, um, my first book, obviously, we're at the height of a uh, pandemic and it was in April of 2020 and everything went wrong, you know, in, in that process. I had 34 speaking engagements, ones that you know, like South by Southwest and Milken Conference and Bulletproof Conference, those kind of things. And 100% of them were canceled. I had uh, this nationwide uh, book tour canceled and just everything was just uh, not one thing. You know, you have a plan for things and <laughs> just like you just, kind of have to rewrite it and, and, and as people say a lot, they have to pivot. Um, for me, there was a big, I believe there's a, there's a quote in the book that you, you came across when you read it is, um, is from a French philosopher and he says, life is the C between B and D. B is birth, D is death, C life is choice. And, um, and then I, I really do believe that these difficult times, they could define us or they could diminish us or they could develop us, what we decide with the choices we make. So the choices I made when that happened was uh, to change everything, um, to really refocus, not have a kind of pity party and, um, and just really think, see where things are going, um, reach out to our community, um, move things to digital and more remote where we have remote virtual book parties and tours and uh, spend more time on our podcast and our social media. Um, I'm really a live events person. You, know, you and I have had the opportunity to, to share a, a stage uh, multiple times. And I love, I really feed off of um, audiences and their energy and uh, just their, everything about that. So it, it was, it was a change, um, but you know, a change for the good. We were able to do more, reach more people during that time because I wasn't on planes. You and I, we used to travel what, all the time, right? Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and there's sometimes I'd be on three continents in a week and but there's no way I could sustain that, you know, and, you know, thinking about all the different cities I had to go to, but uh, being at home remote and be able to do an Instagram live or a Facebook live or jump on a a podcast or, or something like that. It was just be able to reach more people without having to pack and uh, go through airports and unpack and go to hotels and sleep in you know weird environments and you know that I'm not familiar with and everything else like that. So it, it built, and I feel like that it became end up uh, being a success by the way 
um, anyway, we kind of measured it. Um, you know, very fortunate to come out of it where the book was an instant New York Times bestseller, number one on, on Wall Street Journal and on across the board. Um, but it was a lot of a lot of work, but it was a labor of love. And um, and I just think that sometimes we you know, we think about what gets me through it and, and having grit was just purpose. You know, I really feel a moral responsibility of helping people because of the way I struggled with concentration and distraction and labeled broken and just not being able to understand things and this imposter syndrome of trying to look smart, but not really feeling like I was smart. Um, but now I just, you know, I'm really driven and I have this unlimited amount of fuel and, and energy. It has been good even the past, you know, I've had very bad uh, sleep issues as you know, well aware, um, sleep apnea, um, it's like a physiological breathing disorder where I stop breathing 200 something times a night and uh, would wake up suffocating and, you know, not traveling has actually been really good for me to rest and um, be able to replenish and recover. And, and so, you know, you always try to find the gift in it, you know, and I don't wish things were that they way that they are right now, but we control the controllables, right? Yeah. We control our focus. We control what these things mean. We, we control what we're going to do. We control even how we, how we feel about things. And so, uh, you know, and then just like, I love the metaphor of a lighthouse, man. Yeah. I just feel like that, that those, that we could be an example that the life we live are the lessons we teach others. And we could be a lighthouse for other people who are going through storms in their life, who are yeah. going through some, some foggy times, some darkness, and sometimes our scars end up being a lighthouse for other people also as well. Yes, so, sir. yeah. So I love I, that. I, I, that's I, why I, I appreciate everything you're, you're, you're so giving, you know, with your time and your talent and just, you know, I just, and, and like attracts like, and that's why I love being here with you, with your community. Yeah, man. I, I'm actually probably going to get emotional. I, um, a lot of people don't know like the, the times, what I, what I love so much about you is even from the day that I met you and, and we'd met, many, many years before we became close, like quite a few times, but when like when we met, met like your just ability to be so authentic and transparent while also still committed to the vision was something that really like resonated with my heart. And for everybody listening to this, like there was a point where my wife was about seven months pregnant and I was a couple weeks away from bankruptcy at one of the biggest pivots in my life. And the, the man on the other end of this podcast is whose house I was at that was there at that pivotal moment of my life. And um, the lighthouse was born that day, my friend. Here we are quite a few years later. Yeah. Um, but it's always been, you've always led me by your ability to like love both the world and what you do while also witnessing the journey that you're in and that superhero archetype. And it's something that I admire so, so deeply. Um, and it's really, it gave me a permission slip a long time ago to really own that story. Like the way that you turn your adversity into power. And as Uncle Jeffy says, right, um, I've had all those moments as well. And we, we were talking, yeah. I was talking to Jeff Spencer the other day. And, and he's like, that anxiousness, that feeling is just because you're lacking clarity. And he's like, and so you be with it. And so I, I've always loved your ability, Jim, to just be. I, I watch you witness and be self-aware and then choose like that's one of the best analogies I've ever heard like the B, C and D and the choice is what's in the middle and mm -hmm. it's something that I've witnessed you do and so I just want to say congrats on the book um, it's really like full circle watching it go and I know Clay and you and everybody else is out right. there and watching it go in the world and then all my students and people are like do you know Jim this book I can read I'm like I yeah. do I'll send him a text every time that you you say this to me and I, and I love it so thank you for putting that work into the world I know I know what goes into a book. I know what goes into the marketing of a book. I know what goes into that whole tour. 
And one of the things that I really think that you did in that book is you gave people a permission slip to be themselves and also start to realize that we're the ones that are ultimately responsible for our creation of our brain, for our superpower, for what we do. And one of the things that I learned from you, and you said this very early on when I heard you talk, is like you had to basically make learning a skill. It was like a muscle. And, and I struggled for years as an entrepreneur when I got into this world. I'm like, how do they remember so much? Like, I can't even read a book. I can't make it through two pages. Like, I'm just destined to be like this and destined to be like this. And it was through you that I realized that as long as I chose to pursue something different every day, to, to read something, to pick something up, to train that muscle that I could literally become anyone I want. And, and you put me through this exercise one day, we were somewhere and you were like giving me this visualization to like remember names. And I watch you remember like a hundred names off the top of your head. And as a guy that had brain injuries, just like you, it was, it was really profound. And so, you know, what I would love, and one, this is one question I'm going to selfishly ask you because yeah. <laughs> I got to start with me is like, I love reading now. It's something that I picked up after I met you. I read all the time, but there's this thing that happens when like I go to read a book or listen to a book. I can't make it more than 10 seconds without my thoughts, like yeah. chasing. And then I'm like, wait, do I read the page again? And then I go back and read it again. And I feel like I can't concentrate. Can you unpack that yeah. for me and help me? Yeah. I mean, you're definitely not alone. I think if anyone's listening to this, they can relate to this. They're like, I thought I was the only one, but um, we know that, I mean, I, I would imagine a lot of people who are here with us, they had the experience where they read a page in a book and then just forgot what they just read. Their mind wanders, they have trouble concentrating. And, and one of the reasons why I feel like is just because uh, two reasons. Number one, we're driven to distraction with our devices. You know, we're always flexing that distraction muscle. Where we're always going from from Slack to you know Texas to social media to all these different things. And you know, our our attention span. Some people say are shrinking and, and getting smaller. And but besides that, some of us when we're studying something, we're sometimes we're processing it too slow. And it's possible that we go too slow. And, and it's kind of like I don't know, riding a bicycle really slow. If you're riding it really, really slow, you start to wobble and you see you could even fall if you're going too slow. And the brain we know is this incredible supercomputer. But when we read or we study something, you know, we're feeding it so like one word at a time, you know, and metaphorically, we're, we might be even starving our own mind. And if we don't give our mind the stimulus it needs, it'll seek entertainment elsewhere in the form of distraction. And it's, it's kind of interesting because when you're going really slow, like you're driving really slow in a, you know, you're in some town in Montana, right? You can be doing five, six different things when you're going super slow. You can be drinking your, your coffee and texting and you know, having a chat with somebody thinking about something else. And, but when you're racing a car, you're not going, you're not doing those, you're not trying to multitask, right? You're, you're thinking of the act of driving and what's in front of you. And you're not, you're not thinking about the dry cleaning or something you have to do with clients. And part of the reason is the speed directs the focus. And because there's focus, you have concentration and you have retention and you have better understanding and comprehension. And so sometimes we're going too slow. So part of it is stop, we need to stop flexing our distraction muscles all the time um, and, and exercise some kind of control or at, at least balance it out with some kind of meditation or something else that would build your concentration, your attention span. Um, the other thing is maybe you need to go a little bit, we need to go a little faster than we're used to. And then the other thing is I'm obsessed with this answer is the third bonus answer everybody is to 
ask more questions. You know, we, we know that you know, our minds, primarily it's a deletion device. It's trying to keep information out. There's a billion things we could be paying attention to at any given time. So we're trying to kind of filter it all out. And what we let in are the things that we're interested in and the things that we, we have inquiries about. And uh, when you ask a new question, you hijack that part of your brain called the reticular activating system, RAS. But it, you know, it's, people should know that from marketing. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening also in terms of your customers, or your prospects focus. But when you ask a new question, you let certain things in and then you start seeing those things everywhere. You know, as anyone who's ever bought an outfit or bought a car or whatever, they start seeing that, that thing everywhere. It's always been there, but we deleted that. Remember that that's part of that billion stimuli that we kept out. And so the things we let in are asking questions. And I feel like sometimes when we're learning something, we don't have enough conscious questions that we're asking about of the material, you know, questions like even like, how can I use this? Why must I use this? When will I use this and be obsessed? Because then it, then, then the content acts like kind of like this question like a magnet. And it's just like, oh, there's the answer. There's the answer. There's the answer. And those questions direct your focus and it'll hold your concentration far longer than if you're asking, you know, if someone's asking, am I, am I really getting this? Or, or what's this person doing? You know, your focus gets hijacked somewhere else. So I would say train your focus because it's a muscle. I would say, um, you know, be wary that maybe we're learning too slow. Maybe we could go a little faster to maintain our concentration, to keep it interesting to ourselves. And then also ask more questions and asking you shall, you shall receive. Wow, that is, um, that's amazing. I just had Nier all on the podcast, right? And we talked about distraction mm-hmm. and obviously you, you know, Nier. So that one is completely covered. But what you just said, Jim, is really interesting because I'll be reading and I'll be like, oh, I have to slow down so I don't forget. But I'm actually creating a self-fulfilling prophecy because I'm going slower and then I'm allowing myself to get distracted out of this FOMO of like, I'm going to miss something or I'm not going to remember something. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about because it's like you hit that moment where you're like, oh, this level or this speed requires my full focus. And I feel like what's happening for me is I'm not maybe present or intentional enough I'm reading because I'll send time to like, I'll default to it as like a checkbox. Like I'll be on a flight and I'll just be like, oh, I should read instead of I want to read. And then I go in with this slow speed. And so, okay, it's a muscle. I get to practice. I get to flex. I get to be. Intentional. And I love you. The word use get, you know, it's not got, you know, it's a lot of people say, I got to pick up the kids. I got to work out. I got to read. But when you take a little change of languaging, you know, from got to get all of a sudden you have gratitude and it just feels completely different. And so um, amazing. And, and I, I, I applaud you also because it's one of those things where gratitude, I feel like also for the beginning of learning, sometimes we need a little chaos. We need to understand just another thing people could do just to stimulate questions is to maybe just scan the material first because it'll give you a nice overview of the content. And then when you're scanning, you're looking at graphs or you know headlines or whatever, you never know what it is. So you start to ask questions you know, of yourself unconsciously. So then when you actually read it through it slower and it's like, oh, there's an answer. So maybe creating that structured chaos in the beginning by scanning will actually spark questions and uh, so when you actually go through and read it, you'll be like more grounded and more, more focused. Yeah. It's like speed dating, right. For reading. And this <laughs> is something that I didn't understand. And I think Jim, one of the things that you, I mean, you really um, helped me kickstart a few things, but even in the beginning, when I started reading, I was like, I have to read every book and I have to read every page. Like it was like this very rigid and it has to look a certain way. 
relationship with reading, but now there's plenty of times and through a lot of coaching, like I've been coached on how to read and they're like, if you're not interested in it, don't try to force it because you're not going to retain it. Right. And like, I love that idea of like, Hey, pick it up, grab some sections, go around, see what piques your curiosity and then dive into the book, which leads me to a question about reading and retention. And, and I don't think I've ever talked about this. This one is a little bit of humility here. So there's a part of this where like on paper, I'm a successful entrepreneur, right? Like I am really good at marketing. I'm like the queen's gambit with marketing. Like that's what I see. (laughs) I was so glad when that movie or that show came out, I was like, guys, that's what it looks like in my brain with emails, with social media. Like that is what I see. And um, one of the things that comes up is I've been coming across this lately, Jim, where I have like friends send me like, hey, read this book or read this from this psychologist or boom, boom, boom. And I'll sit down to read it within the first like three paragraphs. I feel like dumb. I was like, I don't know these words. I don't understand the context. And I find myself like trying to read it like three or four times to understand. And then I'll get frustrated. And I'm like, I really want to know. But when you're talking about the dissonance of middle America post-industrial revolution with confirmation bias, I was like, can we use English, please? And I'm trying to figure out now, what are some tools or what are some ways, like when I get hit with one of those roadblocks, like, do you look up the definition of the word? Do you break it down? Like, I would love some tips on that. Yeah. And I I think, uh, talking about speed um you know reading something faster that you don't understand won't make it any easier if you don't if somebody doesn't understand you know whether it's uh, neuroscience or french you know speed reading it's not going to help that, that that process you know there's a there's a book it's maybe a little bit probably hard to find it's called understanding understanding um it's it's interesting and uh and it's uh it's it's going back to it, it's the, the, everyone contributed, you know, a few dozen individuals contributed from their point of view, what it means uh, to understand something. So they asked someone like uh, David Blaine, a magician, what does it mean to understand something? Um, or they went to, uh, you know, Frank Geary, a world famous architect and say, what does it mean to understand something? And it's written by a, a man named Richard Saul Worman, Richard Saul Worman. And he, uh, his name sounds familiar. He's written almost 100 books on information management. And he's the creator of TED. Mm-hmm. So he created uh, TED, the whole, the whole thing. And later, um, Chris Anderson bought it. But um, so he got a number of individuals together and saying, what does it mean to understand something um, from your point of view? And, uh, and so it's an interesting uh, book. And I'm sure some people, we could find it online. I contributed a chapter when it came to memory because he came to me as a memory expert saying, from your point of view, you know, you, we don't really understand something unless we can recall it, right? And so, you know, I gave some uh, insights on that. So going back to your question, I would say that um, first, I, I love that um, we could have curiosity about this instead of as much uh, judgment, meaning sometimes instead of judging ourselves if we take a pause and a breath and got curious about it, I think that the curiosity could lead, you know, where the, the latter with where we're judging ourselves maybe could, you know, hurt our, our, uh, our self-confidence and everything else. But the, the former will actually, you know, when you're curious, you'll, it'll lead to some more uh, self-awareness. It'll leave, uh, or lead to even more self-confidence when we don't judge ourselves and instead get just a little curious of why it is the way it is. And knowing that we could do, any, you know, anything, but we can't do necessarily everything. And then what I've learned, even with the research of the book Limitless, is that these limits are learned. 
And the good thing is they can be unlearned. Um, uh, the limits of our mindset, the limits of our motivation, limits even in the methods that we're using. We might be using, some people listening might be using old methods for marketing, right? Methods that won't work today um, because they've been tried and and uh, no longer no longer is true with the, with the current environment. So sometimes we have to up level our skills and maybe their conversation is, you know, that we shouldn't be shrinking necessarily our goals and our dreams to meet our current reality. Maybe we should be expanding our capabilities and our commitments, our curiosity to be able to meet those bigger dreams, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever their goals happen to be, whether they're financial, their health or relationships, uh, their reading speed or anything else. And so um, getting curious is, is a nice framework instead of judging because the uh, studies done in self-compassion saying that when we're kind to ourselves and more understanding, we're more likely to follow through as opposed to we have that kind of, you know, self-destructive or that kind of, um, you know, we're really hard on ourselves. And then I love getting curious over like things like definitions. You know, that's why we spend time in our programs and teaching people how to learn vocabulary words because often the vocabulary words could be a significant part of understanding if you just you know could define a lot of these words that we didn't know before we'd have a greater understanding of that chapter of that audiobook or that that physical book that we're reading um i'm a big note taker um so i'll actually um if i need to if i'm reading something very technical i use a visual pacer when i underline words i find that it it, it greatly can enhance anyone's focus and their speed and because their focus is better, their comprehension will be better. Um, not going down a page, but just underlining everything, not actually inking up your page or touching the screen on your digital device, but just like right above it, using a visual pacer will boost anyone's reading speed approximately 25, 50%, wow. just right off the bat without any kind of training because our eyes are attracted to motion. But I'll use, I'll, I'll often read when I'm reading something technical with like a, a pen and I'll, I'll, I'll underline words that I don't know yet. Um, to come back to, or, you know, if I feel inclined, I mean, no, nobody, there's no rules on this, right? We could take a break right there and just go online and, and look up that, that word, you know, and that, that's the other thing, you know, we could, we know monks can meditate on a, a paragraph or, or just a little word for, you know, an inordinate amount of time, there's always more comprehension, right? So the other thing is thinking is good, but overthinking and want it to be perfect. Nobody has perfect comprehension of everything mm -hmm. and perfect retention of what they're learning at any given time. And sometimes the fastest way to learn something is just not to you know, read it at all. You know, if we find out that, that this is not getting the outcome that we want, but I find that a lot of people don't have an outcome for when they're learning. If they're listening to this podcast right now and uh, they don't have certain questions or an outcome to be able to be reached, you know, they, you know, it's cliche, but often it's true. Like most cliches, you can't hit a target as you can't see. Mm -hmm. And so having an outcome, you know, I, I, I tend to map out, you know, I don't see things like you do maybe on the ceiling, chessboards, metaphorically like yours, whether they're funnels or anything else like that. But I do have a mind map generally of the things that are important for me, um, where it's my current level understanding, where in the middle I'll put something like health and wellness, right? And then as spokes or, or branches that come out of that core tree, the different forces that, that lead to that, maybe it's nutrition and off of that branch you have food and off of that branch you have, you know, keeps on going down to micro. Um, I find that that is very satisfying to my whole brain meaning that it's not something that's I could scan in or I could scan out, but I could see relationships together. And so these are the kind of things I'm looking for as I'm reading to make it a little bit easier for myself. I'll take notes. Uh, I'll, I'll look up words and I'll use memory mnemonic tricks to be able to memorize those words. You know, we get our students, 
uh, whether they're elementary school or junior high, high school students or medical students or whatever, doing 10 words a day, you know, 10 minutes a day using these, these kind of fun memory tricks. Um, but yeah, it's it just knowing that it's not fixed, like just like our mindset, it's not set like our shoe size that our memory and our intelligence has, has growth potential, you know, but it requires discipline, it requires training, it requires like anything worthwhile dedication. But the good news is, the bad news is it takes effort, you know, but the good news, it doesn't take as much as people think. You know, and it's certainly a lot more fun when you're doing it in, in these kind of whole brain methods instead of rote memory, you know, the kind of stuff that we, you might have done as a kid where you're just mm -hmm. repeating something over and over and over and over again until your brain just yields to like boredom and submission. Yeah. And I, Jim, this could be, I'm glad you have a hard stop because I have like 64 open loops right now that okay. I want to <laughs> pull, but I'm going to pull the the ones that are important to me. One thing that you said as you said, curiosity, right? Like this, yeah. this ability to be an inquiry. And what popped into my brain was that, you know, there's these times where I'm romantic about how I've done it, even though the method might be old, just simply because I haven't given myself the time to be curious or explore. Like it's born out of insecurity for me, right? Like I've done it this way so many times. And so then I get rigid and I'm like, this is the way. But really just simply going through the lens of it, like that could be a way, but how else could it go? Like what else is there would help, you know, expand that capacity to meet that bigger goal instead of shrinking down. And so that one landed for me very, very intensely in a good way. And then the other thing is when you were talking about this, I actually remember now, like I'll be reading or I'll be talking to you and I'll hear you use a word and the moment we're done, I will go look up that word and I'll probably use yeah. that word a thousand times. Oh, wow. until it's gone right but until like i kind of warn it's welcome but then i really kind of remember it like i embody it. like i'll remember <laughs> i'll remember um like when i found out what pedantic meant right and then mm -hmm. my wife after like 30 days she's like you cannot use that word again like not <laughs> everything not is pedantic and but i'm that's how i like kind of learn yeah. right i'll grab it up and then i'll use it i'll figure out where it matches and where it doesn't match and so those were two really big takeaways for me. And then the one that I think is so powerful that you said is the reading with intention, like having an outcome. And we yeah. talk about this everywhere. And there's so many times where I've found myself going to read because I was actually using it to distract from what I knew needed to be done, right? Like it, it was like, oh, I'm going to go read. I'm going to go learn something. Well, learning something doesn't create consistency on what my promised deliverables already were, right? I'm not going to learn something that's going to help me over deliver. And so that outcome based and that intention is really, really huge. And I'm now like linking about like, oh, I can go be like, hey, I have an hour today. I'm my intentions just to go learn something random and be curious. And then it's like, oh, I want to go this. I'm going to go look at Limitless to remember some of these, you know, brain games. And adding that outcome just seems like it's such a massive needle mover with such a small level of input or planning. Yeah. Like it just, it seems like the ultimate cheat code here. I'm going to, I'm going to steal <laughs> that one. No, I, I think the power, I, I think intention matters with everything. Even yeah. if people want to remember people's names, a lot of people never have, have the intention to. They never make the decision up front that they're that this is important uh, to uh, to be able to show that you care for somebody. And I think just even without using any technique, mnemonic device or visualization, uh, just or even repetition, if you just had the intention of showing this person that you care, 
And instead of maybe ask, sometimes when we're faced with a dilemma or some kind of decision, most people we go to, what, what do I need to do? Oh, I need to remember this person's name. But maybe a, a question to get curious about is instead of asking first, what do I need to do? Asking yourself, who do I need to be at this moment? Mm. You know, who do I need to be? Meaning that if I was caring you know, or compassionate, some of those behaviors happen naturally in a relationship or even online. And I think people could feel your intent. You know, one of the questions I get a lot is just, you know, they see people, me with um, certain celebrities or, or, or what have you. And um, people ask like, what's, how does that happen? And, and first of all, I would say a lot of it happens with a bond of, of learning. You know, they, have, they have a love for learning and they, they get attracted to my work because they are maybe where they are as an athlete or as a, as a singer or performer because they, they are constantly learning to grow, right? but also like reading, right? But maybe also it's because I don't have a lot of, I don't have any agenda, talking about intense where a lot of they're used to, a lot of people having an agenda or wanting something from them. I sincerely just don't. And then that this happens, these are famous examples, but I think, you know, especially in the beginning of our relationship, you were such a giver and without looking, you gave because it, not to get, you gave because of who you are. And I feel like that really makes people feel safe, even in marketing, you know, as, as we're putting our marketing caps here and, um, you know, certainly, you know, we have bills and, you know, we want to be able to, to be able to use money to be able to grow and further our, our mission. But when you're there to be able to serve, I feel like that puts uh, that intent matters yeah. and people could feel it, especially now people are extremely sophisticated in their communication now and they could feel the slightest incongruency. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that, and, and thank you for that. I, I actually remember, um, the, I remember when we bumped into each other before we were close at Bulletproof, what booth we were in front of yeah. and what our conversation was and who I was standing with and who you were with. Like, I remember all of it. And I even remember being like, no man, like, I just want to help. Like, I, I, can I just help? Like, um, but it was always just like connecting on the human level, which is, which is so massive, but it actually brings me to something else. And um, which by the way, people ask me the same thing. Like, how do you know Jim? I'm like, I just think Jim's like one of my best dudes in the world. Like, I just want to drink coffee, hug him and sing Kumbaya. Like I, yeah, it's great. Like yeah. he's the brain master. I was like, but it's just Jim. Like I'd yeah. let him babysit my kids and Branson would run up and, and play with him. Like, and stand in front of the massive, whatever size, incredible Hulk that was at your house, which was like 16 feet. Um, and it's funny, Lindsay and I had a, had a, we were cleaning our phones out the other day and we had the photo at your house of us in front of the Iron Man statue yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. The, doing the Iron Man pose. And, well, and just for people who are listening or just um, <laughs> like, I'm a kind of like, I love, I have this, my kind of my, my homage to superheroes just because, you know, growing up with three traumatic brain injuries before age of 12, being bullied for my learning challenges and label that wasn't, you know, I didn't have quite a, I mean, I, I had a, a good uh, childhood, but it was, it was, it definitely had its uh, moments. So I kind of relive it today and superheroes for me, as you know, they, they represent something to me because I couldn't read for a few years, like all the other kids. And I taught myself how to read by reading comic books and something about heroes. They just show that you, the one person can make a difference. They give you hope in dark times. You know, and a superhero is just somebody who's discovered their superpower and developed it. They've worked, you know, hard for it, Batman or Iron Man or whoever, but then they, um, but then they don't, they don't just have a power. They use it to serve. 
and I think you know now we need we need more of those. So that's uh, that's why I collect these uh, little superhero things to remind me that I even have like this uh, portrait of Stan Lee for people watching us on video. Oh, wow. it's, uh, yeah. it's made out of can it's made out of candy, <laughs> um, and uh, just remind me of talk about imagination and being limitless. He had two he had two passions. Um, you know, in his later years, it, it, was, it was passions throughout his whole life. It was uh, he would. Uh, his uh he loved telling stories he'd still in his late 80s still go to work nine to five and just tell stories and uh, his other passion was his uh was his wife mm-hmm. so uh, just uh when you think about like limitless what's truly limitless is uh you know there's no limit to our imagination like he's demonstrated there's no limit to our creativity there's no limit to human connection and our ability to uh to come together in difficult times there's no limit to human you know uh our ability to persevere and so that that that's really what it's about even when the book came out people my publisher was like hey why don't you you want to delay this you know i'm like i was like no this book is more than just a book on teaching people how to speed read and learn languages and remember names this is a book about you know managing your mind in times of crisis it's about how to support your kids if they're out of school it's about how to you know regain your focus and your flow if you're working you know at home you know with all the crazy distractions and so anyway, I think there, everyone who's listening to this, especially entrepreneurs, like they're, they're modern day superheroes, you know, they create, uh, they solve problems, uh, they create uh, jobs, <laughs> you know, they, they move the economy. And so I appreciate everybody in their, uh, the cape that they wear. Yeah, I got to give homage to my buddy Alex, and you know, Alex Sharfin, he, he says it best. He's like, we're the ones that are crazy enough to go out into the future, design what it looks like, come back into the present and build it into existence and i was like that's that's a superhero for me i i agree and just so everybody listening like just to give you a frame of reference like i'm short i can just jump really high or used to be able to but like jim Jim doesn't collect little things like this thing this thing was like real life hulk like it was like standing next to a t-rex and it makes me happy thinking about it oh my god one of the threads that i keep hearing and and this is a really good reminder for me is that my brain and our brains are no different than any other muscle in our body. Like if we ignore it, it atrophies. And if we use it and we respect it and we have temperance and we treat it well and we help it recover and we stretch it and feed it and hydrate it, that it becomes better and better and better and better over time, over and over and over. And as somebody personally, you know, mine as well with seven traumatic brain injuries in three years and, you know, bleeding on my brain and fluid on my brain. And I mean, I've done everything I've done every therapy you can imagine scans i've done stem cells and nothing ever ever compares to like the the daily intention that i give to it and one of the things that i struggled with jim is that once i got my memory back and i was using it it i almost took it for granted again i almost forgot that it used to be a quote unquote struggling brain and i was like oh well i can run a 5 minute mile now or i can run 20 miles so i don't have to run anymore and it's been this yeah new pursuit of like being proactive and preventative as well. And so I've learned a lot from you, but I ask people have me, I have people ask me all the time, like what are some really important and pivotal practices that they can do every day to like flex their brain, increase their memory, anything that you have that like really helps people be intentional and move that needle. Yeah. Uh, I'll give a, give a handful of uh, ones. I recommend people take notes. Um, just want to remind everyone there's a learning curve, but there's also a forgetting curve. Sometimes yeah. we do read something or, or hear something on a podcast and research suggests that within two days, just 48 hours, upwards of 80% of it could be gone. That's why it's so important to take notes and 
really ask these driving questions. How can I use this? I'm so obsessed. That's like one of my dominant questions. How can I use this? Why must I use this? When will I use this? Because as you know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't just get fit by reading a book on push-ups, right? Yes. <laughs> and, um, and so you have, you have to do the work and, you know, knowledge alone is not, uh, it's not power. It's potential power it becomes power when we apply it. You know, you can read all the marketing books and have these conversations. And so how do you, how do you do that? Um, a few things I would recommend. Um, the nice exercise that I started to do um, with clients, especially uh, during uh you know, where people are physically distancing themselves is people are complaining that their memory, that days would blend together. I don't know if any of your listeners or viewers here could relate to that. It's just like time is going by and they just don't even know what day it is. And one of the reasons from a memory standpoint is because we don't have those distinctive, unique experiences as we used to. Maybe you're not going out to dinner as much or going to concerts or going to parties or going to the movies or you know, going to watch a play or something like that, a comedy show or anything. And maybe if you are physically distancing yourself, the days tend to blend because they all, it's kind of the same. And so a quick exercise that only takes three minutes to do is every night is just to take two, three minutes and just review your day. And this is something called your episodic memory. Your episodic memory is the episodes of your life. So if you have trouble remembering what you had for breakfast or what you wore that day or, or who you talked to, then this is the principle. And there's always a promise behind every principle. And the principle is there is no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's a trained memory and an untrained memory. As you mentioned, you know, people want to go to the gym, but you don't go to the gym once and you're physically fit for life, right? Your, 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 your muscles they respond to novelty, they respond to nutrition, they respond to rest, right? But you need to do your brain, your mental muscles, like you want your physical muscles to be stronger and more energized, more flexible, more agile, um, faster. You want your mental muscles to be, you want your memory to be sharper, right? You want your thinking to be clearer. You want your, your, your mental endurance. You want to get rid of that brain fog. And so you need to be able to exercise. And one of the great exercises at night, just review your day and you won't get it perfectly. Um, if you can talk to a partner or a family member, uh, or even talk to your plants or your dog or your pet and talk out loud, because the, they call it the explanation effect. When you learn um, and you, you learn with the intention of teaching somebody else, you explain it to somebody else, you learn it way deeper. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if, if you had this experience, but you were, world, you were already a world-class entrepreneur and marketer. And when you started consulting and work in teaching and speaking on stages and, and, and doing like live raw, like uh, hot seats, which, which is not easy to do. I've seen you in your elements, you know, where many people, they don't do that because they, they don't feel prepared, but you could just like, what's your, and you just like handle it right there. And not many people do that because I believe that, you know, all that preparation of everything you've done to that point shows up, you know, for you. Like I, you know, we were talking right now before we started to go recording, like neither of us kind of, you know, rehearse or anything else like that because we've done the work right? And we're in the moments and I think it shows up, but sometimes we forget, you know, what happened throughout the day. And one of the things you could do is just to talk to somebody or just in your mind, go through and just walk yourself through that day. And the more you do it after a few days, it gets easier and easier and you start to build it because, and the reason why it's not just our facts and figures and whatever you're remembering, but just remember your life. You know, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this is, is because my grandmother uh, passed of Alzheimer's 
And it was really hard to see her go because this was like when I was like five or six, uh, she passed when I was seven. And that's when I had my head in first hand injury when I was five and I was labeled broken and I had these challenges and she was taking care of me. But then, you know, if anyone knows anyone who's, who suffered from dementia, she was like, she would call me by my father's name. She would repeat something she just said 30 seconds ago. And, you know, and when you're a child, you just, you just, you don't understand this. So it leaves an impression on you, especially when you're going through your own issues. And then where she was taking care of me, I was taking care of her. And um, that's why we donated hundred percent of the proceeds to um, Alzheimer's research for women and, and her in, in memory of her and education initiatives, building schools, for children in, in need, but we, we do it because of this mission. But going back to this, part of what helps you remember is like when people lose their memory, they, they lose their humanity almost. They lose like that thing that binds, you know, who they are together. And that's why it's a great exercise to do. It only takes three minutes. Might be a little bit hard at first, just like doing some burpees or some jumping jacks if you're not used to it, but be consistent and it gets easier. Um, another thing I do for my brain that's really can move the needle for a lot of people is obviously prioritizing your sleep. And that goes without saying, especially, you know, when you're stressed, um, you know, it's interesting. We actually, neuroplasticity actually has been shown to happen when you're sleeping, just like when you don't, you don't build a muscle when you work out, um, you build it when you rest, right? We know that, but same thing with your long-term memory and all, all your memory muscles, neuroplasticity is happening after you give it novelty and you feed it nutrition. It happens when you sleep. So really prioritize your sleep. And, and I know, you probably have had experts talk about this and we've done multiple podcasts on optimizing sleep. One of the things I do fun before I go to sleep that helps me sleep. Um, as I mentioned, I had a lot of like stress around it because of my breathing disorder and I would have to wear CPAP and all this, you know, really sexy stuff to go to bed with. Um, I would, I would actually do this gratitude thing where after I go through three minutes of what my day was, I'll pull up one, two or three things that just were really special. Um, and that gratitude puts you, has been shown to put you in a rest and digest, um, parasympathetic mode for people who know that. And it just helps me to just connect with um, myself. I also do this kind of gratitude thing where I just go down and scan my body, toes to the top of my head and just be grateful for those, you know, parts of my body. You know, I think if people want to feel wealthy, uh, that if you don't want to feel desperate and trying to need something, start from a place of wealth um, because, our, our thoughts are like the language of our mind, but our feelings are like the language of our body. And if you don't want to feel separate from what you want out there, maybe just feel gratitude for all the stuff that you do have. And it creates a great foundation. And one of the ways to feel wealthy is just, I'll do an exercise at night, which is still good for my mind because it'll help it give me, you know, like wind down a little bit and just say like, what are all the things I have in my life that money can't buy? that I went trade for, for, for millions of dollars, right? You know, relationships or your ability to, to breathe or be able to see these little things, right? Which are the big things. Um, and then I will, I don't know if you ever experienced this, George, but you have to get up like particularly early and you set an alarm clock mm -hmm. and you wake up within minutes of like 4.30 or whatever, or seconds even. And that's the power of your, your mind. That's the power of setting an intention you know, even unconsciously before you go to bed. And what if we use that same potential to be able to introduce a new 
question, something maybe that you want to solve, maybe in your business, maybe a new way of innovating, maybe something personal in a family, you want to be able to come up with a, you know, a solution for something or a decision you need to make. What if you pose that question while you're in that relaxed state of awareness before going to bed and you tap into the same potential as your ability to wake up within moments of an alarm going off? What if you ask yourself that question and not, not ruminate over it, but literally, you know, think about it and then just kind of release it. And then we find that one of the best ways of um, amazing ways of innovating is through our dream states. And we don't have to go through it too much, but I write in the book that uh, when I was doing research for it, that Mary Shelley came up with the idea of Frankenstein in her dream. Paul McCartney came up with the song yesterday in his dream, right? Uh, chemists created the periodic table, the whole framework in his dream, because your brain doesn't shut off at night. It's actually more active. And what is it doing? It's, it's going after those learnings or those whatever you worked on all day or studied all day. And um, so the first thing I do for my memory when I wake up is I remember my dreams. You know, I, I, I go through and I decide to remember my dreams. Like I set an intention that I'm going to when I, you know, the night before that I'm going to have great dreams. And I'm going to remember them. I, um, I just make sure also I, I write them after I, you know, get up, you know, yeah, by my bed, I have a, I have a gratitude journal and a dream journal, like two journals by my bed. So it's very easy. I think it's so important. We've all heard the phrase, first you create your habits then your habits create you. Right. I think it's so important for habit. And we do a whole chapter in the book on you know, creating habits and, and breaking old habits is to make the things that are good for you easy and to make the things that are not good for you difficult. Right. It's kind of like if you don't want to touch your phone that first half an hour of today, like that we talk about, you know, because it rewires your brain for distraction and reaction and all that stuff than just not having the phone there or having an analog clock, you know, it just makes it easier because you set it up. If you go to a restaurant and you, they put bread right in front of you, that's like, you have this, you know, you, it's easier to say no once, <laughs> like, no, thank you. As opposed to saying 50 times in my mind, no, I'm not gonna eat that bread. No, I'm yes. not gonna eat the bread. But setting up your environment to, to be good for you. That's why I have my dream journal there and my gratitude journal there. So it's easy for me to do. I have a fiction book by my bedstand. I don't read at night nonfiction because I don't want to get in my executive brain. I don't want to read books on marketing and neuroscience, but I like, um, I find that what helps me relax is light fiction reading. And uh, I want to remind all our entrepreneur friends who do already read a lot of nonfiction books um, to read fiction. There's a real benefit for reading fiction books. It's something that I resisted for a long time. My books are primarily you know, 100% nonfiction books in every category you can imagine. But um, taking time, it's actually been shown to, uh, to boost your EQ. Um, you, know, your, you know, people talk about IQ. We don't hear a lot about EQ, emotional intelligence. Um, your level of empathy, your storytelling through narrative, uh, which is so important for marketing and, you know, and building you know, as an entrepreneur to be able to, um, to imagine and, and create. And I believe these are the real limitless things because there's no limit. You know, limitless is not about being perfect. Limitless is about advancing and progressing beyond what you believe is possible. And the things that are truly limitless are the things that aren't going to be outsourced to a machine. They're not going to go to a computer, you know, AI and automated, you know, it's, uh, there's no limit to our creativity, no limit to our imagination. You know, the things, I believe the future belongs to the creators, these entrepreneurs that are thinking in different ways and, you know, looking at things uh, and asking new questions. And so these are some of the things that I do and I'll remember my dreams. And I think it's a great exercise because we'll probably spend a third of our lives sleeping, 
you know, so, but actually you could be able to tap into that, you know, dormant potential has a lot of treasure there as well. And then a couple of quick things, you know, first thing in the, in the morning, I will, um, I'll, I'll hydrate. It's so important, but you can lose up. People don't, they know this, but they don't, if they're not acting on it, you can lose up to a pound of water through sleep, respiration, perspiration, and just staying hydrated is shown to boost your reaction time and thinking speed upwards of 30%. Just staying hydrated. I mean, that's insane. The first thing I'll do in the morning is I'll make, I'll make my bed, take two minutes. And I've been talking about this for decades, but it's just how you do anything is how you do everything, right? Excellence is a habit. So train yourself to do something excellent in two minutes. And then you'll take more likely take that excellence into other areas of your life. Plus your brain loves a clean environment. It, you know, loves it, loves, loves a clean environment. And so it really thrives. Your external world is a reflection of your internal world. But we do, we have a lot of these tips, you know, online, obviously in our yeah. podcast and, and other places, but, um, and I, yeah. I, I could geek out with you so much. No, I mean, this, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to respect your time. We're about a minute over. I'm going to say this again. If you're listening to this or watching this, you need to go back and listen to that last 15 minutes on repeat. Cause I'm going to like, Jimmy, you backed five hours into the 10 minutes and it was so perfect. It was so perfect. And a lot of it was really helpful for me as well. Um, and uh, it, it's really, really powerful stuff. So I'm going to say this because I want to be respectful of your time, Jim, and for everybody here. Um, just for everybody listening, I would highly recommend getting Limitless, the book. Uh, it's Jim's book. I've read it numerous times. I've gifted it to so many people. That and I'm, I'm kind of like having a proud daddy moment because I was there on day one. But go listen to Jim's podcast, the Quick Brain Podcast. It is amazing. And it's designed for you to listen to it get you set up to win and go implement it. It's not like 10 hours of talking. Like it literally is training your brain and programming your brain to win with like the world's best brain coach in your corner, because it is him. It's his voice, you know, leading into it. And so it's called the quick brain podcast, the limitless book. So Jim, I just have one last question. Only take about 10 seconds. Um, it's an absolute honor and gift to have you on the show. Um, I'd love to have you back. We'll do another one. And I can't wait to see you again soon too. Um, but one question I always ask every guest is everybody listening right now, if you could tattoo one thing on their soul, one takeaway, one thought to remember, one belief to remember, what would that be? Wow. One, one belief. Of, I'll go there. Um, as I mentioned, my, one of my modern day superheroes is Stanley. And I've told you this story before, but he wanted to choose another modern day superhero, Richard Branson. They wanted to meet. And so we go to dinner and I pick him up and, in the, in the back of the car, Stan, I, I, I have Stan. I was like, I have to ask this. You've created all these amazing superheroes. Who is your favorite? He says, Jim, it's Iron Man. And he says, Jim, who's your favorite superhero? And he has a Spider-Man tie. And I said, Spider-Man. And without a pause, he goes with his iconic voice, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And, um, and I still, to this day, truth be told, sometimes switch words around when I read or I hear maybe from my challenges is my with my brain and everything but I heard something different and I said Sam you're right with great power comes great responsibility and the opposite is also true with great responsibility comes great power great responsibility comes great power when we take responsibility for something we have great power to make things better you know instead of blaming and complaining we I want to remind everyone we can't be upset by the results we didn't get from the work we didn't do and blame and complain and excuses. It just wastes an immense amount, besides the fact the person probably doesn't want to hear that, <laughs> or maybe they're even happy for you, um, that uses an immense amount of time and energy that an entrepreneur needs 
you know, a reminder that we need to feed our business before it feeds us, right? And sometimes you have to do what you, what other people won't do, so you can have a life other people can, you know, have. And but it starts with taking personal responsibility. And when we own something, you know, own our mistakes, own our learning, own that the past, you know, helped to shape our environment, who we are today, that we are 100% responsible for our life today and moving forward. And I feel like that all great progress starts with personal responsibility and ownership. And, uh, and that's, that's why one of the reasons why I respect you, you know, like we, we connected so well because it, it shows, you know, when people take ownership and they don't, they're not looking to put it outside of themselves. You know, when you have the agency here, then you have the great power to make things better. And I, and I wish that upon everybody who's listening right now is that wherever you are in life, you know, just if you look back, just do so because it's just seeing how far you've come, you know, and then how much you've learned. And if you're struggling right now, I, I wish you that so much strength right now and that you inspire people with your grit and your grace, you know, with people who are watching and, um, and, 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 and again, at these difficult times, the goal here is let's not shrink our dreams to meet this current situation. Let's really expand our mind, expand our discipline, or expand our capabilities, our training to be able to meet those, those, grand, those grand dreams that we desire and that we, we really deserve, all of you. Well, I'm going to go journal. And I'm going to have a tear. And, uh, I'm going I'm <laughs> to challenge everyone to try something right please, now. George, please, yeah. yeah. Um, take everyone, take a screenshot of whatever you're, however you're engaging with this right now and tag George, tag myself on social media and, um, and just put one thing you're going to do for for your better brain. Just one thing. Maybe it's prioritizing your sleep. Maybe it's not to eat that fried high sugar foods. You know, maybe it's just mind, be mindful of your self-talk. Maybe it's introducing one small, simple habit, because I believe the key here is that knowledge by itself, again, is not power, it's potential power, it becomes power when we work it, is to do one little thing. I call it a small, simple step, S3. What is a tiny little action you could take right now? Because one step in another direction can completely change your destination. So write that in your post or online, wherever you put it, tag us post so we see it. I'll actually repost some of my favorites um, to you know, our community. And, um, and I'll actually gift out a copy of the book to one person at random just for being playful and curious. I love it. I love it. I'm not going to touch that. Everybody go do that. Screenshot it. Tag us. Tell us the one thing you're going to do to feed your brain. Jim will share it. I'll share it. Jim will give you a book. I'll give you a book and anything else that I can think of. So Jim, from the bottom of my heart, brother, it was so good to have you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. And for everybody Appreciate listening. You, uh, for everybody listening, go find Jim on all the interwebs. He's pretty easy to find. Uh, Jim Quick, K-W-I-K. Uh, the book is Limitless. The podcast is Quick Brain, Quick Learning. You'll find him everywhere that Google can help you find him. This was another episode of Free For All Friday on the Mind of George Show. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms. And until next time, I will see you in the next episode or you'll hear me in your earballs. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, 
my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.